Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I am Dr. Andrew Scaff. He is Dr. Michael Werman, Esquire. Uh, today, we'll talk about the uh, continuing NFL playoffs. We've got the uh, completion now of the uh, NF the division round. Uh, and we'll have a preview for the conference championship round coming up this, this weekend. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about our betting competition that is now getting extremely close for the, uh, for the playoff season. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame selection that happened uh, just a few hours ago for us. Uh, Mike, we uh, normally start the show when I ask you something about um, if anything from the last weekend's NFL action was surprising. But this week, uh, we agreed on all of our picks and uh, we were correct in all the games. So I don't think we really need to ask me about what surprised you from the last week. And so instead, uh, where is our uh, early mock draft uh, information for this next upcoming NFL draft season? How, how, why do we not already have a mock draft? We've really dropped the ball on this one. Uh, mock draft season is I think more important than uh Playoff season. Next season is always more important. At least if you, when we were following the Royals in their uh, awful years, next year the, the the prospect list was always more. It seemed like it was more important than uh, whatever the standings were that season. I think for a lot of teams maybe mock draft. It's it is mock draft season. You know, if you're a Bears fan, if you're you know you have the number one overall pick, you're maybe not as concerned about who's going to win the Super Bowl because it's not going to be the Bears this year. You're wondering, well, are we going to pick? You know, Caleb Williams or one of the quarterbacks, uh, or are we going to pick or are we going to keep Justin Fields and pick, you know, somebody else, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Or, or you know, a tackle or somebody like that, or are we going to pick? Are we going to keep Justin Fields and pick a quarterback at number one anyway, uh, to make it extra weird, uh, and just to confuse you know, all of the analysts and blow up yeah. everybody's boards? Yeah. So so. I understand why it's happening and the draft isn't that far away, I guess in it's, it's not like the, it's not like, you know, there have been mock drafts that were made actually during the season, you know, sure. by, I don't know if Kuiper had any, but we have not made one. We haven't made any because we haven't, been, well, we haven't been, our, you know, if I made a mock draft, it would simply be a composite of other people's mock drafts, which, might actually be just as good as doing my own scouting. Uh, this is something we, we've kind of wondered before. Does it pay to actually have a scouting department or should you simply rely on all the other data and, you know, interpret it uh, as well as uh, you think uh, you can based on past results and, uh, you know, typical performance and, you know, just yeah. you know, basic you know, stats from college. Do we need, you know, to send guys out and measure, you know, how fast people are? Is, is it, you know, can can we rely simply on other people doing the same thing? Hand size is always a big deal. Uh, the Wunderlich test, but those are scores that are reported uh, widely. So yeah, at the combine, so you don't even need to do anything. What you, you know, people go to these pro days. They yeah. you know, you know, how much of that helps? How much of that matters? How much of that leads to good picks versus you know just throwing darts at a you know, at the wall, uh, you know, this is, I, I've, I've kind of wondered uh, uh, that would, you know, you know, I think we talked about this with the Royals, it would it simply a, a subscription to Baseball America uh, and looking at their top prospects, uh, picking the best one available. 
would that be a better approach than what the what uh, the Royals are doing or have done? And um, yes. if the answer is yes, Mike. Grades in the mock draft, you know, for your for your actual draft, uh, the way to get good grades in an actual draft is to draft what the uh, pundits the are, are are considering anyway. So like, oh, you picked that guy because I was thinking he was the best player. So that's that's my a draft because I picked him. So it's it's um, and you know, a lot of teams don't do that. But there are also a lot of the teams that don't do that are that are unsuccessful. So, you know, should these? I don't. You know, it's it's hard to tell. Like, you know, uh, but maybe you think, well, do the you know Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays of the world do they get their data and inter- information from um, NFL sources, or do they simply look at uh, college players themselves and evaluate? I, I don't exactly no. know where. Um, of of everything you mentioned, though, I think the the thing that may be like most important, probably from what you said, though, is maybe that interview that you could have with the with the player and the team that just just to make sure that there's like a you know a culture fit kind of thing. That may be like of all the things, everything else you know you can find in a you know in a website, uh, you know, data library that uh, you know. But they, I mean, having that conversation with somebody is maybe the most important thing. <laughs> Yeah, you watch that. on TV, like, like is is yeah somebody sitting in the crowd better than just somebody watching film on like you know a scout going is a scout going to a game yeah better than somebody who is just watching the game on tape um, and maybe in some ways if that's you're only paying attention to one guy maybe yeah. um, I don't know it's it's one of those things where it's old old fashioned you know. Do these methods really make a difference? Is it simply tradition that we're uh, locked into, or is there some sort of actual connoisseurship that uh, certain people have that other people don't? Yeah, you know, you know the scout that sees this diamond in the rough that nobody can see based on production or stats or anything else this is this is this is in some ways the patrick mahomes story where supposedly brett veach uh, who was not yet the general manager of the chiefs who was just a personnel guy um uh homed in on mahomes very early and was putting him putting his film out there and in mahomes was you know on his radar you know really really early and he and and Veach wanted to you know make sure that um uh, uh John Dorsey who was the GM at the time and and, and uh, Andy Reid uh knew all about him and, and things like that so you know so maybe some is eyeball scouting but you could also say well you could look at look at some of the numbers that Mahomes put up in college watch the film of Mahomes and just see some of the things that he did that you know I don't know if you need a great scouting department but Mahomes was I think the consensus third best quarterback after Deshaun Watson and after Mitch Trubisky uh uh that they so I guess if you followed just the, the just the normal scouting measurements you would have picked Trubisky and then Watson and then Mahomes um fortunately for the Chiefs the Bears picked Trubisky although the Bears supposedly said they were going to pick Mahomes uh did you remember that story uh the they told Mahomes they were going to pick him yeah decided to trade up to take Trubisky instead from number three to number two or something like that, four to three, one of the, I can't remember exactly what number yeah. was number two overall. Thankfully but, uh, they did that. 
I think that was a story that Patrick Mahomes uh, Sr. told. And so in that case, obviously Mahomes was by far the best quarterback choice of that uh, draft. Oh, yeah. And even, you know, Deshaun Watson showed some, uh, has shown promise in some good seasons. Obviously, you would not probably want uh, Deshaun Watson on your team. Not his legal history, at least, anyway. Yeah, unless you're the Cleveland Browns, where you're going to trade for him anyway, despite all of the all that baggage, and still have better success with the fifth quarterback that you picked up this year, uh, Joe Flacco. So uh, that young, that young buck, Joe Flacco. <laughs> you led them to the playoffs, and then performed like Joe Flacco, and <laughs> led them out of the playoffs. Uh, and uh, speaking of the playoffs, do you want to talk about the playoffs? Should we? Uh, Get to that rather than talking more about mock drafts. Oh, uh, unless you want, to, who, who do you think the Chiefs uh, are? Are the Chiefs gonna, you know, are they gonna pick a wide? Do you think they're gonna pick a wide receiver in the mock draft? Is that is, in, the, in the actual draft? Is that is that who you would pick? I mean, or would that, you that seems to be their biggest need now? right now. But we don't. I mean, we don't know who's gonna be retained or who they're gonna let go in free agency. That kind of thing right now. So like as of right now, is what we know. I think yeah, wide receiver seems to be the biggest need, mm-hmm. but. Is that what you thought too, or are you uh, you think well, we'll go kind of, it, yeah, it depends on a lot of things. Like, well, what do we do? What are we doing with uh, Chris Jones, Jarius Sneed, you know, yeah. guys who are free agents next year, uh, things like that. So, do we need to keep, you know, um, or whatever else? Also, are we going to do with the free agency? Are we going to pick up, you know, some good? Because it's one of those things where in the Chiefs, for the most part, it takes wide receivers a long time to latch onto the Chiefs system. Um, right. Yes, has been a little bit quick, but he's still only caught on like in the last half of the season. So, yeah, it, you know, if you want somebody, a vet, you probably want a veteran. Uh, and then maybe you think, okay, well, we, we got Rice in the second round. Why don't we pick another receiver in the second or third round and not, and maybe if, try to get the most impact player that we can find in the first round. Um, but, um, you know, I, yeah, it's hard to say. You know, that the obvious thing would be receiver, but the Chiefs are also picking at least 29th uh and possibly 31st or 32nd depending on what happens if they if they beat the if they beat the uh uh the ravens so um you know there might not be you know the receiver that you want maybe they were all early and you might not be able to trade up that high and maybe trading down uh and getting somebody else or just picking somebody who's not a receiver would be the best uh course of action but so yeah, I don't know. I think conventional wisdom would say, yeah, they're going to pick wide receiver, but who knows? I would it's say still, it's still way too early to to know what they're. <laughs> I would say the one position we know they're not going to pick is quarterback in the first round, or kicker. They're not going to pick in the first round. Uh, maybe actually, would you think they'd be more likely to pick a kicker in the first round or a quarterback in the first round if you're the Chiefs? I mean, unless unless somebody decided that they were going to retire all of a sudden with like, then. Then uh, no, Mike. I think no, they'd be more right. likely to pick a quarterback, even though they have Mahomes, than pick yeah. a kicker. Simply because you never pick kickers in the first round, because yeah, you would first round. Yeah. Uh, maybe at the end of the draft, maybe you think you have a quarterback, a kind of slash type player who could play. Mm. You know, like, like if there was a Lamar Jackson type, who you thought, well, he could be a good receiver, he could be a good something else. I don't know if you'd do that with Mahomes still, but uh, uh. that was be more likely than picking a kicker. Or a punter, uh, 
in the first round. No. Before, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're also probably not going to be picked in the first round. Yeah. It'd be extremely unlikely to pick any of those positions at all. Early, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, there, I mean, there'd have to be a reason for them to pick one of those positions. And most yeah. of them, there, yeah. isn't, there isn't a good one for most of them. I would say it'd be like a million to one would be like a kicker in the first round. Yeah. I, but I'd for say it's for any kicker. team or just the Chiefs? For the Chiefs. Because yeah. they already have Harrison Bucker, uh, who's really yeah. good. And I'd say it's only a thousand to one that they wouldn't pick a quarterback in the first round. That's my that's my um you know how, what how if, much how much are you putting down on that bet right now? Uh well I I I bet on both of them they wouldn't pick either, but but I think I would yeah. uh, um Money not well spit, but also not well risked, right? Or not no. much risk behind it. No, it's 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 it to win like two cents out of my hundred dollars. Uh <laughs> yeah. But um speaking of, of the playoffs and quarterback play, um do we want do we want to talk about the week that was? Uh we can go through the games chronologically like we've done. Sure recently and talk about our bets that we made we were fairly successful um we hovered around the break-even point you were a little bit above i was a little bit below uh last week i was a little bit above you were a little bit below so we're essentially even through the playoffs uh but and, um, and, and again our picks came down to a single field goal separating single field goal. speaking of a single field goal let's talk about that uh one of the games that was not a close game but it was in some ways decided by that narrowest of, of, of margins. That was the, that was the Baltimore Ravens against the Houston Texans, uh, CJ Stroud, the Texans, their kind of Cinderella story came to a crashing halt in Baltimore. Uh, they kind of kept it together through the first half, but then they did nothing in the second half and lost 34 to 10. Um, did you learn anything uh, from the game? Uh, do you think, Baltimore is, are, you know, are they are they a juggernaut, or was or were the Texans simply kind of happy to be there and maybe out outmanned? Yeah, I think Houston was definitely playing with with house money. Anything they did was a success at that point. So, uh, you know, they didn't need to do anything to prove that they were that they had a good season. If they come a long ways from from drafting number one just earlier this year or earlier in that you know fiscal year i suppose for the for the season so uh yeah i don't i mean it didn't seem like either team really had much offense um like in the first half it was what a 10 10 score at the half and then, uh, half time, yeah. and then you know a few plays basically turned the game in the second half and baltimore ended up opening up a bigger lead so i mean from what we can tell it seems like baltimore is I mean, they probably earned their number one seed and played like a number one seed, beating the beating the weakest team that was left in the AFC. So that's what they're supposed to do. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that makes them a juggernaut, though. Yeah, it was also cold weather in Baltimore. Uh, yeah. They're playing a team that is a dome team from a warm climate, uh, not you know, with a rookie quarterback that's probably not used to playing in the cold. I guess he just played at Ohio State, but most of the uh, even the cult, even the Big Ten season, it's over by the, you know, first of December. Uh, you know they don't they don't play 
in the Big Ten when it gets really, really cold up there. They, you know, if they play in December or January, it's down in, you know, in the Orange Bowl or someplace like that or, or, or Pasadena. So, you know, he hadn't, he, so I, I don't think Stroud had experienced the real cold before. And, it's, and it had been, and, and compared for Baltimore, you know, it was a, it was a fairly cold, it was, there was snow on the ground. It was not like Kansas City uh, was two weeks ago, but it was still pretty uh, below freezing uh, there. So that I think the weather had uh, uh, something to do with it. I don't, I don't think Stroud probably threw the ball very well. Um, when the Chiefs come to t- come next week, the weather will actually be a little bit warmer, and the Chiefs certainly are no stranger to cold weather games. Um, so I don't think that'll be an advantage for the Ravens. But yeah, I thought the, uh, the most maddening thing, we kind of hinted at it, was that the over-under of that game was 43 and a half. The score was 34 to 10, so the total was 44. So it just tipped the over. And how it tipped was on a meaningless field goal with like two or three minutes left in the game that Baltimore decided to kick. They were up 31 to 10. And instead of just running the ball or you know trying to uh, run the clock down, they decided to kick the field goal uh, to go up 24 instead of 21 with about three minutes remaining and inside the two minute warning was it inside the two minute warning yeah right the uh, two minute warning happened and then they kicked the field goal <laughs> i was thinking it was three minutes oh it was inside the two i forgot so so it's, so it's even worse is what you're saying even worse and like <laughs> no andy reed coach team would have done such an ungentlemanly act they would have run the ball and let the clock run out um so or, or turn it over on downs, I guess. Turn it over on downs. Yeah, yeah they would just run it and turn it over on downs, yeah. and then kneel when they could after that last first down and try and try to get as few points as possible, keep it under. But um, John Harbaugh decided to take the points, and which sealed your victory, and because you picked the over in that game, and it just barely skipped over. I picked the under. Uh, we both picked Baltimore to win. We actually picked Houston, I think, both to keep it close. Uh, that didn't happen. So, I mean, uh, it was for most of the game. It's just the uh, fourth quarter with the uh, 17-point outburst by Baltimore then. Yeah, so you, really, you see, really put it across there. You got that over-under right. Uh, you got picking the over. I got that wrong. We've, I did, we did both pick Baltimore on the money line. We actually got all four money line uh, bets correct since we agreed with each other and we were uh, each right, we were, we were right on, on, on all four of the games. So, um, but the spread favored uh, Baltimore, they, they, they won by 24. So they were 15 points uh, about uh, 14 and a half points above where they needed to be. But that over that one half point, that's what will end up separating us uh, on the weekend. Um, anything else you remember from Baltimore? game um mm. the, the numbers uh that the ravens put up weren't particularly impressive lamar jackson had you know 150 ish yards passing he was at 100 yards on the ground but not that yeah. many total yards uh for the ravens it was a methodical kind of win where they ground out some big uh chunk plays toward in the second half but it was I don't know. I just, I guess the, it, it seems like the, just, you know, the, the Texans were, were, were out, were outclassed. But yeah, time of possession. Yeah. Number of plays and time of possession were like strongly in Baltimore's favor. 
37 and a half minutes, 22 and a half minutes of time of possession. So that's, I mean, that's a big, if you can, if you can carry the ball, hold on to the ball 15 more minutes of the game, you're probably going to win. Yeah. Well, usually we've talked, we'll talk about the other AFC game. Um, uh, the Chiefs and the Bills, where it was um, almost identical time of possession in this game. <laughs> um, yeah. And the Chiefs in that game. So, like, you know, if you're very efficient at scoring, you don't need to have the ball as uh, uh, as long. Uh, but yeah, it was almost the same uh, 37 to 23. We'll talk about the Chiefs a little bit, but um, no. Yeah. So, if you're if you're good if you're if you're if you have Patrick Mahomes on the team you don't need you don't need the ball uh, as much uh, to score and this is kind of what the Chiefs used to do is where they had they would score so quickly the other team would try to keep them off the field but um, yeah things have changed a little bit but that's in some ways was like an older version of the Chiefs where the offense was actually clicking and and things like that um, should we move on from Baltimore to maybe the maybe the most surprising game do you think in terms of how close it turned out to be green bay Mm -hmm. and san francisco um this was a game where uh green bay almost won you could argue maybe they actually should have won that game they probably do you think they out they outplay the 49ers in your opinion or was it it was awfully close i mean and they had the lead late and took san francisco had to score the final 10 points of the game to, to end up winning. So, and there was a missed field goal that kept them from being farther ahead mm-hmm. uh, by Carlson. Missed, uh, we had two important missed field goals late in the games uh, this past weekend. Um, but yeah, Carlson was. Yes. Uh, he missed a 41 or 42 yard field goal at the end uh, that would have put them up seven, I think, instead of. Only up four, which they were, so it would have been a tie game probably. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was, I think maybe is the maybe the biggest thing that came out of this game was uh, Debo Samuel's injury, and in that you know really once Debo went down, the uh, it seems like the the Forty ers look pretty pedestrian on uh, on offense. Um, do you think that's do you think that's going to impact uh, the? NFC Championship game uh, next week. It seemed, it, yeah, it seemed to affect them a lot in the regular season when when he was out. Uh, it sounds like it may be like a broken bone in his collarbone, apparently. So I think they said he didn't have a broken bone just recently. They just had an MRI done or a oh. X- that uh, they it it is so so Devo they say is fifty fifty to play. Okay, well that's that's a huge sigh of relief then for. San Francisco fans everywhere, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So, well, you know, he, so he's probably, if he's 50 50 for next week, he's probably, if the, if the 49ers win, he's probably ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, if the 49ers, uh, beat Detroit, but yeah. yeah I, but Green Bay, uh, really no fracture in his left shoulder. That is correct. Yeah. Green Bay really surprised some people. And anyway, they really rolled Dallas and they almost beat San Francisco. You, you think this is something that they're going to build on next year? I have no idea at all what to think of of the of them at all. It's really it's been really uh, maddening to try to like predict what they're going to do because they they whenever you think that they seem like and that they had it figured out and they didn't play well and then 
when uh, you were surely betting against them, thinking they were going to play terrible, they'd somehow have a great game. And it, it just really doesn't – they don't make a lot of sense, I think, most of the time. They're... Yeah, they were really inconsistent. They had a great start to the season, and then they were terrible, and then they had a great finish. And Love played amazingly well for a while. Um, you know, it seems like he's – but he also might be a flash – the pan it's hard to say it's only one year you have to you know repeat that success it's harder to do and we're still i think both of us are still skeptical of the quality of coaching that matt lafleur provides and the offensive uh look outlook that he has but it seems like they've drafted well and have a lot of good young receivers uh and things like that in green bay but i is, I, the, is your uh, comment on drafting well including the jordan love selection so well, that was our we didn't think that was a good uh pick but maybe it turned out to be one i don't know we'll have to see what happens with love next year he, he's played pretty well this year he had good pretty good stats similar to what you know mahomes had this year which is mahomes's worst year but it was but uh statistically but you know he was still solid as a quarterback uh and mm-hmm. and um yeah so so was love so i don't know he was the you know i think in some ways we thought jordan love um was going to be a bust and he should not have been picked but turns out he might be okay but you know you could say well at what cost was he drafted over somebody else and maybe they could have gotten somebody a year or two down the road yeah uh, and maybe helped rogers a little bit more in the you know to help him get over the hump and get to a super bowl rather than um you know preparing for three four five years down the road yeah Uh, with um with jordan love but i can't uh, imagine that that the love that the that selecting jordan love was worth the stress that it caused with all of the media attention uh over the next several years yeah you know just in some ways you knew that was what the case was going to be just don't do that just to avoid that scenario yeah well i think a lot of people we thought well in some ways we thought jordan love was gonna be like like trey lance you know the 49ers quarterback who you know, they drafted Lance thinking he was going to be their, you know, the person that was going to, you know, push them over the hump. But they didn't really need to draft Lance because they had a a decent quarterback in Garoppolo, I think, that led them to the Super Bowl. And they probably could have, um, you know, if he had, uh, you know, unfortunately, every, every quarterback in San Francisco seems to get hurt all the time. Um, but it turns out they could have just drafted the person at the very end of the draft, like they did with Brock Purdy and had a serviceable quarterback as well. So, um, you know, this is the 49ers are one of those offenses. that seems like where it doesn't really matter maybe as much who the quarterback is, but you need those great playmakers on the outside. Uh, you have Kittle, you have Ayuk, and you have Debo Samuel um, and solid, you know, up the middle offensive line. Uh, solid fullback and use check and you know those guys you need you need like everybody else to be really really good uh and, and then it doesn't really matter what your quarterback who your quarterback is you just um, need a serviceable quarterback right yeah and purdy is somebody who can run the offense and be serviceable maybe maybe above serviceable it's hard to say yeah. uh but, but he only has to be serviceable if he's better than that fantastic if he's not yeah. eh, as long as he's serviceable yeah yeah, you know, there's a reason probably he was picked in the seventh round. It wasn't uh, speaking, you know, thinking of conventional wisdom, uh, you know, or scouting things like that. 
nobody I think thought of him as that highly even you can say that even the 49ers didn't think of him that highly if they had actually thought he was going to be good they would not have picked him as Mr. Irrelevant in the seventh round they would have said they would have picked him higher like just like the yeah. the Patriots that they had thought that Tom Brady was actually going to be good well they wouldn't have waited to the sixth round to get him they would have gotten him quite a bit earlier and not run the risk that somebody else saw this diamond in the rough um anyone else could have thought that right so yeah yeah or the albert pujols in the 13th round of the uh baseball draft you know it's not because the cardinals were so great at seeing talent they were you know slightly better than everybody else maybe but you know if they had really thought he was going to be good they would have picked him number you know as high as they could possibly have uh you know so yeah you know, you want, you know, if you think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, you're not going to say, well, I think we can get him in the sixth round, even though I know he's a surefire, you know, or I think we can get him in the 13th round because I know he's a surefire Hall of Famer, but I'm pretty confident nobody else uh, sees uh, what I see in him. And you can even say, well, maybe the Chiefs were a little bit, um, you know, they traded up to number 10 to get Patrick Mahomes, but even they probably, had they known what Mahomes would have been, they probably would have tried to trade up even higher in the draft to get uh Mahomes. Would you say so? Well then so would every other team would have done the same thing. But, too. But, but, yeah. the Chiefs, but you would think though, well yeah. the Chiefs know like we know this guy's a surefire uh Hall of Fame quarterback. We know he's the best person. We we would trade up to I guess you could say, well we know that Cleveland's gonna take Miles Garrett. We know that maybe there's a little bit of gamesmanship there. Yeah. But you would probably traded up to number two maybe or number three to make sure you got the first quarterback off the board Um, because like we said the bears said they were going to pick mahomes and they ended up picking uh drewski whether you know there was some possibility that mahomes was going to be off the board uh they should have traded up to get to at least number two um if they really thought that that was going to be the you know he was going to be the um you know, the next great quarterback. I think we're just really lucky that we ended up. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now looking back at it, you know, no. And the pick of course was traded from the Buffalo bills to the Kansas city chiefs. So the bills gave up Mahomes, possibly um, instead decided to go into the year of Tyrod Taylor as quarterback. And then the next year drafted Josh Allen. So, Still picked a pretty good quarterback, but maybe not a Mahomesian uh, quality uh, quarterback. But anyway, uh, we'll get to that Mahomes Allen matchup in in a second. But any other parts of Green? So Green Bay, San Francisco. Uh, talk about our bets a little bit on that game. Yep. Um, Green Bay was uh, nine and a half point favorite. Nine and a half point underdogs just. Just oh, like San Francisco, yeah, yeah, yeah. San Francisco's nine and a half point favorites, just like Baltimore was over Houston. We, uh, but I ended up getting that one correct. I thought that Green Bay would keep it close. You thought San Francisco would kind of walk over, um, Green Bay. So I ended up winning that one. That was the only spread, that, or was, I only got I got two spreads correct. So that was one of the two spreads that I got correct. Uh, and then uh, I got uh, the money line. We both picked San Francisco to win, and we also. Uh, both picked the under in that game, and we each got that. So I I had a clean sweep in San Francisco and Green Bay. That was the only game I I um I swept. Uh, and there were two missed field goals, so it could have hit the over if 
It'd have been fifty-one. If, if both teams were perfect by, for the field goals, the score uh, spread would have been the same, but the uh, point total score would have been six points higher, which would have hit the over. I think would have been just two, one, yeah, half point high. Would have been a half point over. Yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been the most frustrating uh, Saturday than if both games had gone <laughs> half point over, and I'd <laughs> under in both games. At least you would have gotten one of those two right. I I would have missed both of those. Yes, uh, right. Fortunately, we got that one right. But um, you want to move on to Sunday's games? Let's do it. Talk about what I think is probably the least attractive matchup uh, was the Tampa Bay uh, Detroit game. Probably because I think those two teams, if are two of the, were, were two of the bottom three or four teams playing uh, that weekend. I think that was the least the. Uh, attractive matchup because i think detroit um is good a good team but they're not you know they're not in the class of i don't think kansas city buffalo or the ravens or the 49ers i think they're at best probably the fifth best team that was playing on that weekend and you can make an argument that tampa bay was probably the worst team uh in the wild uh, that, that advanced out of the wild card round so it was like a maybe a number five versus number eight type matchup well, Detroit had kind of like slid towards the end of the season. They had like a good start to the year and they were kind of looking iffy as it got as the season went on, but they still held on to their spot. And do you think maybe Green Bay even maybe had passed them as a yeah a, um playoff team, maybe Houston even. But yeah, this was this was a team that, you know, fortunately they're playing the Baker Mayfield led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who Mayfield had a good game. Maybe maybe he cemented himself as the at least the mid, the medium term, if not long term, starter in uh, in Tampa Bay, but yeah, three hundred forty nine uh, yards passing in the game for for Baker. Yeah, and one of yeah, two interceptions. One of one of them was not really his fault, but then the last one at the end of the game uh, was what sealed the fate. Oh, I had a question for you. Do you think it was why? So this was, this game was end of thirty one twenty three. So it went over uh, the point total. It scored fifty four. The uh, point total was fifty and a half. Uh, both of us 48 uh, and a half is what we closed at. 48, 48 and a half, excuse me. I was yeah. that one. Uh, so it went over, so comfortably over. I picked the under, you picked the over in that one. So you got the points there. Do you think though that so it was 31 to 17 at one point? And Tampa Bay, when they scored their touchdown in the fourth quarter, they decided to go for two when it was 31 to 23 to try to get it to be 31-25 instead of taking the extra point to make it 31-24. Do you think that was the smart move to make? Why go for two then when you don't have to? Because then it forces you into going for two later. If you, if you don't get it, I guess, right? Yeah. So how much time was left in the game when they did that? There were several minutes. There was only four five and a half minutes left. So, that, minutes, so, so it's, it's almost like they're, they're playing at uh, – you know, if they get the the two point conversion, that they they still have two possessions left, where they only have to get field goals on both of them, if they're unable to get the touchdown. Uh, I think it seems like they were going for the win. I think thinking that yeah. we get the two point conversversion, um, they still get a touchdown. touchdown. So. They be, yeah, they still need. I don't know. I don't. I didn't like that decision. It seems silly to do it early because then it it binds you into a di- more difficult route later so i think if it's if you tie the game with nothing left or you know you get it within one 
with no time left. And then it's the, the difference between kicking an extra point or going for two in the win right now. It's still dumb because you should just tie the game and go to overtime yeah. and take your chances I guess, there. <laughs> I, yeah, I think if you go for two there, you should never kick an extra point. You should always go for two, which technically maybe is the best route to take because no. you're probably about – I think you're going for two percentage from the two-yard line is about 50-50, and you're kicking it extra point is not perfectly 100%. It's probably more like 98%. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you have a slight advantage if you go for two every time, but you lose those points. But you also lose momentum when you don't make it when you go for two. And you give the other team some momentum saying, hey, we got that defensive stop. They only got six. They didn't get seven. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I think unless you're like completely all in on the, you know, sabermetric analysis yeah. of football and like, you know, A, you're never going to punt and you're never going to um, kick an extra point. You're always going to go for two. If you don't dive in all the way, I think you should be more selective. And and I think they should have, I think they should have kicked the extra point there too. Um, but, you know, because I, 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 I think, I think the benefit of getting it versus you still need another touchdown and depending on how things are going you could also say well we might just want to go for the tie rather than, than go for the win because we're we have momentum and the overtime in the playoffs is different from overtime in the regular season because even if the other team scores a touchdown on the first possession if we score a touchdown on our first possession we you know we, we, we get another possession we can score a touchdown we don't, we don't have to rely on our, our defense I, so i think um yeah i i I think it was the wrong decision. I also thought that was the wrong decision for Dan Campbell to keep going for two, even after the first time against uh, Dallas, where his team lost the game because yeah. uh, two uh, when they didn't have to. But I would, I go for the tie, um, and then go for over. If you think your team is the better team, you think we can probably win in overtime. Uh, so I don't know, but. That was the question that I had about that game. It ended up being 31-23 uh, Detroit. Jared Goff back in the NFC Championship game. Um, I believe he is uh, one of only maybe two or three quarterbacks to lead two teams to different uh, championship, uh, to the conference championship uh, games. Is that right? I'm not sure. I think it was. It's a very. It's a very. Uh, um, Joe Montana. Joe Montana. We have Joe Montana, Tom Brady. Yeah. And I'm not sure if anybody else did that or not, but it, but it seems like it's a. It seems a pretty rare, uh, rarefied error. I think that 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 golf yeah. has gotten to. I'm trying to think of anybody else off the top of my head. I can't think of somebody off the top of my head that. Has done that. We're probably idiots and, and missing somebody obvious, but yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe I'll we'll, try we'll to do a quick search here and see what uh, the what the answer is. I'm trying to think of. Um, maybe oh, like, well, we know Peyton Manning. Oh, Peyton Manning did that. Okay, so that's so he's also in like. Well, look at the people. Two more. So it's Montana, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. So those are like three of the best quarterbacks of all time. And Jared yeah. Goff. Um was like Earl Morrell or somebody. Was he, he this was, isn't this isn't even this one doesn't even say uh Montana. 
But he did though, right? I mean, the Chiefs went to the, to the, the, the NFC Yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Super Bowl. Is that super, you know two quarterbacks on the uh, quarterback two teams in the Super Bowl? Maybe is is. I don't uh, know. Anyway, but yeah, it has to be. Yeah, but there's two more though. Um, and you, you're aware of them both for sure, hundred percent. Any hints? Um. Uh, we've was was Doug Williams one of them? No, more more contemporary. Uh, let's see. Um, Not, without giving away entirely. Um, Randall Cunningham. One was whose NFL career began somewhat surprisingly. Uh, as he was uh, hired, signed, I believe, out of a grocery store. Job. Oh, Kurt Warner, duh, Kurt Warner, yeah. Okay. Another has been uh, involved very negatively in some uh, local politics in the South. Uh, oh, Brett Favre. So they're they're all, they're all Hall of Famers then, except for Jared Goff. So it is. So it's like, so like it's Jared Goff and like four. Of the great quarterbacks that have played um, the game. Okay. So Favre did it with, I forgot he did it with Minnesota that one year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it was with the Jets. I think it was with Minnesota, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, and, I think Minnesota, yeah. And yeah. So all of those quarterbacks have won Super Bowls, though. Jared Goff has has, has not, but still those five are, are, yeah. are all. Yeah. Uh, they're all those careers are are done. Goff's is still going, so yeah. So Goff I guess, could win a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if Goff wins a Super Bowl, does he become a Hall of Fame quarterback? Since he is the quarterback of two teams that advanced to the Super Bowl, there is a, a a set of quarterbacks with those things in them, and they've all have uh, they're all Hall of Famers. So even Joe Montana couldn't take two teams to the Super Bowl. <laughs> he only took them to the championship game. Chiefs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's, that's hilarious. I think that that the got, but a weaker. It seems like a weaker uh, set of teams to beat, though. The who, who so the the you know uh, you can only play the team that's well. I guess they beat the Rams. I thought the Rams. I thought the Rams were the the Rams are a better yeah. team than the Buccaneers are. I think the Rams are a better team also than the uh, the Lions are at this point. And you think, oh, the Rams were that close to going, uh, maybe. Uh, to the NFC Championship game and maybe could have given uh, the 49ers uh, a run for their money. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so congratulations to, to the Lions. But I think uh, it seems like the 49ers are the clear favorites in that game, at least if Debo can sort of play or right. if, if um, the 49ers can at least resemble the team that they were for most of the regular season. Oh, I didn't even notice this though, but you know, maybe the reason they went for two, Mike, what would have been to cover the spread. <laughs> because they six, lost by eight and it was a six and a half point spread. Six and a half point spread. Yeah, the, the gam yeah, the gambling community says cover the spread. Take it to yeah. six. Go for two. Evan won't do it. I mean, we would have appreciated that because we both took Tampa to cover to get it keep it close. We did. We did. And but but both had Detroit winning. So, so we, we got so the two the point conversion line. cost us both bets. 
not getting the two point conversion cost us. So we were only a half point off. We were one and a half points off. Um, you got you were correct that it that it uh, hit the over. It was fifty. It was fifty four total points. I thought it was going to be the under uh, forty eight and a half. So, um, so yeah, you won uh, that game, Doctor Scaff. Um, should we move on to the uh, the Chiefs and their victory over the Buffalo Bills? Let's do it in Orchard Park, New York. Were you uh, surprised? We both picked the Chiefs to win, but did you pick the Chiefs to win because you thought they would win or simply because you wanted them to win? I was surprisingly more confident about the game than I have been most of the season, I think. So I I thought that they would win, but, uh, you know, you just you don't know. I, I, think, I don't think I was hedging my bet on this one anyway. So, I mean, I, I think my took them on the money line and not, not just to cover the spread, but... Uh, how about you? Were you? Did you I think, think that's why I wanted them to win. I I think yeah. I thought they could win. I didn't really know who was going to win, but I didn't want to bet against them, so I went with them. And that's maybe going to be what's going to happen in, uh, this uh, coming week when we talk about the Baltimore Kansas City matchup. Is I I I want the Chiefs to win. I think they can win, mm. and I certainly want to bet against them. So I'm going to pick them on the money line, and then right. therefore on the spread as well. Um, the offense seems to be coming to life at the right time. They were able to yeah. do the ball a lot better. They score some touchdowns this time. They... We we have a new star uh, fan among the uh, the audience, and that is uh, so maybe even overshadowing Taylor Swift in the crowd. That was Jason Kelsey, uh, shirtless during much of the game, uh, right. drinking, cheering. Were you surprised how enthusiastic Jason was uh, cheering yeah. on? Chiefs and wearing a, a Chiefs uh, beanie too, so that was yes, maybe maybe a little surprising at least anyway. But uh, yes, ju- uh, coming out of the jumping out of the box into the crowd, the man of the people. He was a man of the people. Supposedly, um, his wife Kylie uh, had Patrick Mahomes' dad yell at him to get back in the in the uh, suite at one point, <laughs> uh, and that's what happened. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, I hadn't heard that story. That's funny. Yeah, there's a picture. There's a picture of Patrick Mahomes' dad leaning, leaning out of the out of the uh, suite, uh, Adam. But he says, I think he says, "Your wife wants you to get your ass back in here," or something like that. Is what 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 he uh, supposedly said. But I think I also supposedly that was the first time that um, he had met Taylor Swift in person. I did see that, but I did not see the uh... so the shirtless drunk brother-in-law, uh, potential <laughs> brother-in-law. Uh, yeah. So when, but it, but he, he became the star of 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 I think of the crowd, even though even though uh, we had you know famous you know uh, Taylor Swift in the crowd and Brittany Mahomes. I don't know if do you think is is Taylor Swift is she going to be at the game in Baltimore? I haven't heard anything yet, but I, I mean, it seems like her tour. Yeah. I believe is going to be started by the time the Super Bowl starts. I think he's, she's going to be in Tokyo. As a uh, uh, during the Super Bowl, so if, if the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, I don't think she will be oh. the audience. Um, but I guess that could change. But I don't think I don't think she, I, I don't see her uh, moving her tour date. Probably over. not. Yeah. Yeah. And that that'd be a lot of flying if if it's uh if there's enough time to physically fly back and back again 
Yeah. That would be a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen, but um <laughs> but we did we so we did have I guess we did see that uh Kelsey did go to Brazil during the bye week uh to see uh Taylor there, but that was during the bye week, so we'll not you know continue. I don't think either of them are missing performances games uh this point. But yeah, I, I what what was so back to the actual game on the field. What was the most uh impressive thing about the Chiefs uh victory over the Bills? Uh I think it was probably like yeah, the offensive efficiency, really. It's um they were getting big chunks of yards, which they haven't really done that much um recently they like pretty most i mean most of the players were contributing a lot really like rice had some nice catches moved the ball downfield a lot and mbs um, had some, a couple of good catches mbs had like two great catches that were you know really challenged and he you know held on to them and that was uh that was fantastic this was the marcus valdez scantling that maybe showed up as well last year in the AFC championship game when so maybe he's more of a playoff uh wide receiver than a regular season wide receiver. A little bit like Sammy Watkins uh was a playoff guy rather than a regular season guy for the Chiefs. So um yeah I thought I was impressed by the offense. They were averaging I believe nine point nine yards of play for much of the game. Yeah uh, fourth down a little bit. Also they had four kneel downs. I think they ended up with an average of 7.7 yards per play, but if you take away those kneel downs, it was like eight and a half yards per play. Yeah. So and it wasn't like they had five had like two ninety nine yard plays either. It was that right. they had big plays just about every time they wanted to. Well I think after their like 30th play they had like 15 first downs, which is you know not that's pretty crazy to they only um, had I think five third downs the entire game. Yeah. They were converting everything on first and second down, uh, like the like most in those third downs. I think two of them were what led to field goals. They didn't have a third down. They couldn't convert the early third downs, and then later they could convert most of those th- third downs they got into um, into first downs. But yeah, I thought Mahomes played really really well. He he ran when he had to. I thought Pacheco had a really good game. Uh, the receivers for the most part didn't drop anything. Um, um, Watson had a drop in the first quarter uh, that ended a drive. That was maybe one of the third downs that led to a field goal. But mm-hmm. Butker, he, he played, he kicked the ball really well in those bad conditions. It was a, uh, and then the defense, I thought, um, really in the second half at least, really turned it on and was able to stop um, uh, Allen when they needed to, uh, force that field goal when the, in the, at the end that uh, was missed by Bass. Maybe the only person that had a bad game was uh, Nicole Hardman. Uh, oh, yeah, with the multiple fumbles, right? Fumbles. One was recovered by the Chiefs and one wasn't. But I think the Bills were also fortunate. They had a couple of fumbles. Both of them were recovered by uh, the Bills, even though either, each one I think the Chiefs had a really good shot at getting. So That uh, one late was especially close. And Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, I think Shamari Connor wanted to take it in as a – scoop and score but if he had just fallen on it he probably would have gotten it yeah uh, that was a, that was a tough one but that but the chiefs had, they had that fake punt that the chiefs uh prevented i think there were only 10 men on the field during that fake punt that's why they is that right uh, i think that's why the bells went with the fake punt was that there were only 10 guys on the field uh the, you chiefs know they, had... they, the announcers made a comment that they had they only had like a uh maybe one fewer guy in the box 
than normal. Yeah. And that's why maybe they thought. Yeah, I think maybe they all. I think that was the reason they had one fewer guy in the box league because they only had 10 on the field. <laughs> they wanted a full complement. Um, but then, yeah, the Chiefs had, had, had Hardman not. And Hardman not fumbled the ball at the goal line, which I think was still a very iffy call. I'm surprised it got overturned. It looked like it was very close to me that he was, he could have been down. You didn't see like the squish of his body, which I guess is what they were counting when he went down. Like you saw the squish kind of of the body, like hitting the turf after the ball was moving. But I thought he might be down even before the ball was moving. It was really close to me. Well, that, that's one of those things where the you know the officials are supposed to go off of you know clear and convincing evidence so like they have to have proof because it was called the opposite way on the field yeah and I, I don't know that there was an angle that you could definitively say that he did not have the ball before he hit the ground so I, that's what there there were a lot of really questionable calls in the game especially in the first drive of the game I don't know if you noticed that uh there was a pass that was the lateral that was thrown that was uh, yeah. went forward by a, a full yard that the refs didn't catch and the Chiefs didn't challenge. Didn't challenge. They should have challenged that one. That, le- that led to seven points, I think. So. And then I think two plays later, there was a catch that the uh, receiver landed on his back out of bounds, but never never had any feet down at all. So that was uh, there were a couple of like really crazy plays that Buffalo like you know rushed up to the line like they should have because they would have got calls overturned. But uh, I don't know. I mean, these are like things that the that should have been noticed on the field and didn't need to be challenged because they were somewhat obvious live. But uh, you know, it would have been nice if the Chiefs got that because I think that you know they got behind early and it was partly because the officials are bad at making calls. Well, those are close. It's hard to see. Then you think, well, that's why we have the uh, review process, because we can see that there are calls that are incorrect. But if the Chiefs don't take advantage of that, that's sort of really need to challenge things like the the, You know, the the owner should be on the correct call. It shouldn't matter. Ideally, the, you know, the challenge of what the call on the field was. Just get it right every time. Is that why is that so much to ask, Mike? Well, they're humans, and they're going to get it right every time. But you think they can do a little better, maybe than they do, or that there are people that are watching it that could correct it if they see it uh, more easily than they would, rather than having to force the teams to wait on like replays provided by CBS uh, or whatever to, uh, to to overturn them. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, those there weren't a lot. I thought I thought what was good was there weren't a ton of penalties called. Um, on either team which i'd rather have than a bunch of penalties called even if so so i think i think that the they kind of let them play um i didn't think it seemed like it was a particularly i don't know i didn't see a lot of holding necessarily that seemed egregious Mm -hmm. i didn't see i didn't see a lot of things that were let go but i thought it was a, a so i thought it was a well officiated game in that sense um, there are only seven total penalties in the game, only 43 yards, you know, awarded between the two teams. So the yeah. officials weren't uh, overly involved, but, yeah. but they also didn't make the correct call sometimes. Though, so. There was one questionable pass interference penalty, I think, um, that the Chiefs uh, got – actually, to, it was to the Chiefs' advantage. I think the ball might not have been in the air when he was mm-hmm. bumped, but – but it maybe maybe the ball was in the air by the time the contact was over. Uh, you know, yeah, that was, yeah. but it was 
So I thought, yeah, there weren't a whole lot of um, penalties. So I thought it was a pretty well called game. I thought the Chiefs, um, yeah, their offense played as well as that it has this year almost. Uh, they just didn't have the ball very much. They, you know, we talk about time of possession. Yeah. Usually, teams with that are dominated in the time of possession don't win, like the Houston Texans. But the Chiefs here, you know, were just able to move the ball at will at least uh, during the middle part of the game. Um, the fourth quarter kind of things got shut down, but. Uh, you know, I think the Chiefs oh, could have really broken it open yeah. had Hardman not fumbled it. Uh, that would have been that would have basically ended the game. I think there that would have been they would have been up ten with, you know, ten minutes to play or something like that. And I think they would have forced Buffalo into desperation mode. And I think the Chiefs would have, um, would have would have capitalized there. But, mm-hmm. uh, but Chiefs won, uh, and now they're going to Baltimore. Uh, so what, what we're talking about our bets again? We each picked the Chiefs. Uh, on the spread, they were two and a half point underdogs. And they won outright, so uh, we got that right. We each picked them to win the game on the money line, and we got that right. We Which also... was our biggest, our biggest payoff too, because it was the, because they were the Chiefs were the underdogs, and yeah, we won two hundred twenty four dollars uh, on that one. Yeah. Uh, and we also picked though we each picked the under in that game, and it turned out to be over uh, fifty one points over the forty five and a half that it was. So um, I believe you were waffling you will usually pick the overs on those chiefs games and and you ended up picking under this time um any regrets i would have been perfect on over unders had i gone with my gut instead of uh listen to my brain stupid brain should have just gone with the gut oh the gut (laughs) great shooter one of my few misses on the week actually so i was ended up nine of 12 on picks or seven of 12 this week uh i ended up up 171 dollars which is about uh 14 gain for the week you were down just 12 dollars minus one percent yeah but you were up similarly last week to what you know flip of this week so our playoff total mike now has us with you in the lead up $22.10. Yes. My $19.18. So less than $3 separates our our winnings for this uh playoff season so far. Well, this is what we clearly should be doing is is making playoff wagers since we're both making money. Uh we'll, yes. we'll, we'll see if we can continue this when it comes to the championship games, but we'll we'll uh you know, so the AFC championship is set Chiefs at the Ravens. NFC Championship is set. Lions at 49ers. We'll talk about them in a second. But do you want to take a little a brief uh baseball interlude? Let's do it. Talk about the uh, the Hall of Fame. Yes. We had uh three uh uh players elected to the baseball hall of fame that eclipsed the 75% threshold required by the Baseball Writers Association. And uh, those three players were uh, Adrian Beltre, uh, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer each uh, made it. Uh, I believe uh, Beltre and Maurer were each in their first year. That's right. Helton sixth, I think. Helton was in his sixth. Do you agree with those? Uh, choices are those are those Hall of Fame players in your mind? Um, I'm not 
probably a little surprised actually at all, all three to some extent. Like I think Beltre, I didn't realize how strong his numbers were actually. I think it's really what it was. I remember him being around for a long time and a, you know, late in his career, he was, you know, had some kind of like goofy interactions with Elvis Andrews that I always thought were entertaining. But I don't know. I don't know that I realized like how great his numbers were until I, I you know, looked them up after seeing that. He was well uh, over 3,000 hits. Uh, yeah, I didn't remember that he was that high, you know, hit totals. Yeah. I think he had 12 more hits than like, George Brett had in his career. So yeah. uh, I don't think he would ever reached the heights that he was third baseman usually. Uh, some shortstop. I don't think he ever reached quite the heights of, of, uh, Red or somebody, some of the other great third baseman. He was a, a very uh, good player. I think he was better maybe than Scott Rowland was, uh, who got in uh, mm-hmm. last year, two years ago, something like that. Um, but I was a little surprised. I was, I, I would say, I was so I wasn't surprised about simply just because I knew uh, Belcher had over three thousand hits, and that's it's automatic. Uh, I was a little yeah. surprised about both Helton and Maurer. Um, getting in billy wagner was uh fourth he had 73.8 percent of the vote gary sheffield 63.9 percent andrew jones 61.6 and then carlos beltran is 57.1 those are the only ones above 50 percent um and i think that was sheffield's 10th attempt so i think that this is well be his last attempt yes sheffield has that steroid tinge Mm -hmm. to him which is the reason he didn't make it otherwise i think he was a you know, Alex Rodriguez was below Beltran. Uh, and so, you know, he's, his, by the numbers, Rodriguez is, is one of the great players ever in baseball, and he's not probably going to make the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, at least not conventionally. He's only in his third year, though, so maybe he'll move up. Manny Ramirez also, you know, seems like a Hall of Fame player, but he also had steroid uh, allegations and, and suspensions. Uh, he's in his eighth year, 32.5%. So, those guys are probably not going to make it, but um, I think Beltron is probably unlikely to make it too, though, because of you know participating in that in the uh, Astros cheating scandal from a few years ago, also because that, yeah. that, that cost him a managerial job, also. So essentially, the only person punished from the uh, yeah Astros scandal. But yeah, Beltron might would he would would he be a royal? Do you think in the uh, Hall mm. of Fame? Well, you think he he would not go in as an Astro because of that. Mm. So possibly that's where he started. That would make sense, but you don't know. Sometimes they sometimes those guys like when they leave, they don't want to look back at their earliest years, at least anyway. So yeah, you never know. I- I think I the person I think, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame of the people who didn't make it is Andrew Jones uh, because he's simply a really great defensive center fielder that is probably um, the defense is being undervalued. He, he didn't have a great batting average. He had a lot of home runs, and he also kind of fell off a cliff once he got to about age thirty, which I think shows that he probably was not a steroid user, uh, and that his he his decline happened uh, early in his career. Usually, the steroid guys they. Uh, hang on for a while and they have great seasons in their, you know, age 35, 36, 38, 41, you know, year, you know, yeah. it's not like, it's not like it's each row. Even, even like each row who is the, who's we're talking about maybe next year. He is the surefire candidate uh, for next year um, who had over 3000 hits in the majors. That was after having a length, fairly lengthy career in Japan. Over a thousand um, hits there. 
Yeah, he had more hits total than uh, Pete Rose uh, had uh, overall. And I think, um, yeah, so, but, you know, so either I would vote, say, is surefire uh, Hall of Fame player. I don't know if I'd vote think for anybody else. We're getting 100% of the vote. Did anybody, has anybody gotten 100% of the vote? I don't know. Mariano Rivera was pretty close, I think, right? I think he was close, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Mariano Rivera was a hundred percent. Okay. Is he so the only number one to do that then? Number one, hundred percent. Um, which actually is a little surprising. Derek Jeter was only he was ninety nine point seven percent. I wouldn't have voted for him. Griffey ninety nine point three. <laughs> Would have voted for him. Tom Seaver ninety eight point eight. Nolan Ryan, 98.8. George Brett's got to be up there. He was 98.2%. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a few. Hank Aaron's only 97.8. Uh, this is first ballot, though, so. Yeah. So some people didn't vote, you know. Adrian Beltre, 95.1 is one of the highest. One of the top 20. Wow. So or so He actually is tied with Babe Ruth. 95.1. So there are people that didn't vote for Babe Ruth in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. On his first ballot, which there seems... probably are just some people they just say they won't vote for anybody in their first ballot. And then I guess they took that off for uh Rivera though. Yeah. Well, maybe those guys have all retired by now, those sports writers. But then there was still one that didn't pick Jeter, you know, like if if I had a, if I had a vote, I wouldn't have voted for him. No, no. Stick it to him. His his two biggest plays were would have been overturned by replay. So, like, but yeah, but he has like the numbers <laughs> though. He has like he had th- I see three thousand four hundred and sixty five hits. So, like he's well over three thousand. I know you don't like Jeter, but I would have voted. You would have probably. I think if push came to shove, I think you would have voted for him as a hall. He might not be an all time, all time, all time great, but I think he's a. A Hall of Fame player for sure. Um, you know, I, yeah, it's a little surprising, but yeah, there are only, yeah, George Brett is one of eight people with over 98% of the vote. So, but anyway, um, Helton, I, uh, I, I, mentioned, I think Andrew Jones is probably the, person who got snubbed the most mm. um I, I would have picked him over mauer probably uh because i think he had a better defense he was better on defense than mauer was mauer had a great few years but he um i don't know i just i i guess maybe i'm just not as impressed maybe just because he was in minnesota i didn't i didn't like him i don't know but he was a he was a good he was a good player but i'm surprised he got in first ballot um at yeah. least and it's been Andrew Jones. one of the lower uh, Hall of Fame expected scores. Yeah. Which is a little surprising, I guess, but not really. You know, and, you know, Helton had the, uh, you know, Coors Field effect. Yeah. I think, I think it's part of why it took him so long to get in, but his numbers are would pretty you, good. But Larry Walker got in before Helton. Would you have put Walker above Helton? Do you think, you think Walker was a better player? Well, he had some yeah. years outside of. He played Montreal. He played, I think he played for the Mets for a little while. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's tough with the uh, you know only playing in one for one team. You know, then there are also those people that would say that oh, well, he didn't win a World Series, and this Colorado never went one. So, you know, some of those sports writers won't don't want you know those guys in there. You walk and play for the Cardinals and the Expos. Those are the two. He didn't play for. He didn't play. New. I was. I was thinking he played for the Mets for some reason, but he never mm. played for them. Cardinals. Yeah, it's basically the same. Walker got in on the tenth ballot on the very last ballot in twenty twenty. Yeah. So so Walker's uh, four ballots worse, I guess, than Helton. Is that what we're supposed to take from this? Yeah. Um. Roll Scott Rowland got in on the sixth ballot. He was what he was last year. Um. Todd Helton was seventy two point two percent in the previous year. So, so Helton and Rowland were each on the fifth ballot. Uh, this is Billy. Billy Wagner will only have one more year, and he was up mm. at 72 ish percent. So he five votes shy. Apparently, five votes was okay. very yeah. very close. Um, Beltron is his second. This is his second year, so he's gone up a little bit. He's gone up eleven percent from his first year. I think it's a little strange that people. The ballot system, like, oh, he's not good enough this year, but maybe next year we will. Or right? people who didn't vote him, because like you can vote for how how many yeah how many people can you vote for for the Hall of Fame? I think you can vote for several. It's not like yeah. you can you can vote for I think ten maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how. Uh, um, yeah, how we'll it, yeah. But no more than ten. No more than ten. So you can. I don't think anybody ever. I don't think anybody votes for ten though. Usually, and no, and no write-in votes. No write-in votes. So you don't have to vote for anybody, I guess. Technically, right? You just can't vote for more than ten. Yeah. So in the twenty twenty-four uh, baseball Hall of Fame ball- balloting, we have. Uh, Adrian Beltre, Todd Halton, and Joe Maurer. And then we also have the Contemporary Baseball Committee uh, was voting on managers and executives, and Jim Leland made it. Um, Lou Pinella was fairly close, and Bill White, executive. Um, I'm reading about Bill White. Uh, he was black. So one of the first, uh, he played first base. He was also a sports a broadcaster. He was president of the National League uh, to replace Bart Giamatti, who became commissioner. Uh, He was Hmm. National League League president. So I guess he was the, you know, um, early uh, black uh, executive. So he was, he had 62.5% of the vote uh, in those voters. Uh, Oh, uh, uh, one of your favorites, uh, umpire Joe West was also on that ballot. Uh, he, Joe West. He did not get it. He did not uh, get enough votes uh, to record uh, percentage. But uh, Jimmy Leland, uh, the manager of the Marlins and the Tigers, uh, Pirates, and he actually managed the Rockies for one year. I didn't remember that he managed the Rockies for one year. Um. Oh, I was going to ask you this question though too, related to Maurer. Do you think that Maurer's election makes it more likely that uh, Salvador Perez will make it when he after he retires? 
Ooh. Well, I think it at least makes it more likely to me that Yadier Molina might make it. Uh, I I think Perez is as good as Maurer, but um, Sal has more home run, almost uh, has over a hundred more home runs. Yeah, the defensive metrics hurt Sal usually. He didn't have the high batting average totals. Like Maurer led the league in batting average three different times. He has five gold gloves. So does the, I think Maurer had five gold gloves. Um, yeah, he led the league in home runs and RBIs one year. He has one World Series ring, which Maurer does not have. Um, he does not have some of the individual accolades. Yeah, Maurer yeah, only had three gold gloves. Oh, Maurer had three? I was thinking he had five. Okay. Now has five. Um, Hall of Fame monitor has Sal at 75. Likely Hall of Famers around a hundred in the um, so I don't know. I like I like Salvi as a Hall of Famer, but I don't know like if he's six All Stars for Maurer, eight for Sal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the batting average in the on base percentage hurts Salvi. Yeah, um, slugging is very good for him, but yeah. I just thought that was it would be kind of interesting if if you thought that was a if that made it more likely that Sal could get in then. Yeah, Yadier Molina is a little bit higher in terms of he has a lot. His home runs are about the same as um about the same as Maurer. Four four more seasons for Molina. Yeah. Than Maurer. So, uh, seven years no, right now than Sal. Yeah. Molina never led the league in any statistical category. Yeah. Um, you can say that Sal did. So, mm-hmm. I, and Sal has a few more years that he's going to play, probably. Right. He's only, how old is Sal? 30. 30. Three. Okay, so he's almost 34. So he'll be 34 by the time the season starts. So three or four more years, you think Salvi will play? Probably. He'll probably have like the same number of years as Maurer or maybe one more. So if he hits averages, he'll hit over 300 home runs probably if he averages about 20 a year. Uh, when he If he plays three more years, he'll be... Molina has uh, two World Series uh-huh. rings. Sal won. Mauer zero. How many career walks does Salvador Perez have compared? And how many? How <laughs> many is... I'm sure Mauer has a lot more. 939 for Mauer. Salvi has 199. <laughs> and most of them are probably <laughs> intentional. Didn't Barry Bonds probably have more walks in a season than Salvi has in his career? Probably. <laughs> I'd be surprised if not. Ooh, yes. Barry Bonds had a season of 232 walks at age 39. He also had a season of 198. Tw- uh, 29 of Sal's walks were intentional. <laughs> 29 to 199. He doesn't he doesn't like to sit sit around. He wants to swing. No, he's not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> 
232 walks. <laughs> In one season. One season. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Bonds had a 609 on base percentage that year. It's ridiculous. And he's not in the Hall of Fame because he's disliked and he's a steroid guy. But like that doesn't like all that. That's like his stats are just so out there. Like it's even if he was, there's still like everybody else was juicing at the same time. So it wasn't like he alone was. I, so I, yeah. He was a guy. That, yeah. He was just a jerk. He was just kind of a jerk and nobody liked him. So that's also yeah. why. And a, but, um, Anyway, should we move on from the Hall of Fame and talk about this week's football matchups? Yep. The AFC Championship, the NFC Championship in the American Football Conference at, I believe, um, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Uh, Central Time in Baltimore, Maryland at M&T Bank Stadium. We have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens, I believe, right now are favored by three and a half points. And the over-under in the game is 44 and a half. Um, Dr. Scaff, what do you, who do you like in that game? Do you, and what about the over-under? What, 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 what is your uh, perceived, uh, what, are, what are you going to bet? What, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you see as the, uh, the winning sides of these lines? Uh, I can't pick against the Chiefs. I just can't do it, uh, especially when it's Baltimore. But uh, I think the Chiefs' defense is so strong that, uh, you know, they're going to be able to – I mean, they just had the the blueprint for Baltimore right in front of them, and they just faced, you know, uh, Buffalo, who's probably the most similar team to Baltimore with the running quarterback. It's, uh, you know, nice to have had that opportunity to play these two teams back-to-back, I think. So uh, I do like the Chiefs in the game. I think it's even easier to make that pick. Uh, that the Chiefs are the underdog. So, you know, they don't technically have to win to win the spread bet, at least anyway, as long as it's that close within the field goal. Uh, but I expect them to win too. Uh, but I can't see Baltimore's like scoring like nothing essentially. So I'll probably end up, I'm going to end up with the over, I think in the game of 44 and a half. It's okay. Well, they're going to be relatively close, but maybe upper twenties to mid twenties, somewhere in that area is what I would some, it's very similar to the Buffalo game, is what I would predict. Okay, I'm actually uh, I'm going to pick the Chiefs as well on the money line, and therefore also on the uh, on the spread. I think the Chiefs. I I, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to win or not, but I think they have a good chance of winning. And I think that um, even if they don't win, yeah, the three and a half is a is a lot of points. I think to me, and I've been going under with everything, but I'm going to actually switch to the over. So I'm going to agree with you on all three of these but just like we agreed on all three of them with the chiefs bills i'm going to go with the over 44 and a half i think i think partly i'm going over in really because the chiefs offense has been playing better Mm -hmm. and i think and playoff chiefs offense can score i'd say at least mid 20s to maybe 30 points uh so i think that will probably you know uh you think they'd be in the 20s even if they don't play that well yeah, so I think I think they can. I think a thirty-one, twenty-four game is not out of the question. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, so, I like the over over forty-four and a half. The weather is supposed to be much better. Um, it's supposed to be cool, like maybe forties. Oh, wow. not as not as 
cold as previously. So it's going to be good football weather. I think there's going to be it's going to be conducive to scoring. I think both teams will score some points. Um, we're talking about when the Chiefs play the Ravens, they, always, they usually put up a lot of points. Uh, they haven't played in a couple of years. They haven't played them with this defensive coordinator or this offensive coordinator. Uh, but I think I think they've got. I think they can. Uh, I think that I think they can score on anybody. I don't. I don't think Baltimore's going to keep them down. So, I I think that the Chiefs' defense could possibly because their I think their weakness is, is the run defense could let Baltimore run on them. But um, I think I think the Chiefs aren't going to aren't going to not score points against Baltimore. So I like I like the over here. Breaking your uh, ten straight under streak. Yes. Uh, should do, do we want to do we want to make prop bets or do we want to just go on to the? Uh... Um. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about. Maybe we'll do the quarterback passing yards bets now. Maybe. Okay. And we can but, do rushing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, quarterback passing yards. We have Lamar Jackson. We'll go through them all pretty quick anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We have Lamar Jackson at uh, two hundred and ten and a half passing yards over under. Uh, what do you what do you like on 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 that one, Doctor Scaff? Or I can go uh, first. On one. I, yeah, I go I'm, for him. I'm gonna take the under on the passing. Lamar hasn't uh passed for that many yards. He didn't pass for that. He only passed for 150 or so yards against Houston. I think right. he's more of a running quarterback at this point. And I think the Chiefs, oh, the Chiefs, I think might dare him to pass by stacking it, stacking the box, and hope, forcing him to run. But I I think I still think he's gonna be under. I don't I don't expect um. I think if the teams, I think uh, if Baltimore's going to run, it's going to be the running backs that make make most of the most of the yardage, and I think mm-hmm. that the passing is going to take a back seat. Mark Andrews might be back, but that's that's questionable. Uh, so I, I I like the under for Jackson under two and ten and a half. How about uh, how about how about you, Doctor Scaff? If I had gone first, uh, it would have been a really similar <laughs> set of comments that were made there. Uh, yeah, the low the low passing total in the previous game is probably the most important indicator, I think, for what to expect from him. And uh, I I can't see him getting to that two ten mark. I don't know that he was around two ten that often uh, during the season. Uh, but that's you know usually against lesser defenses than what what the Chiefs are going to be bringing uh, this week. So yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to also be taking the under in that one. Yeah, so uh um and then Mahomes is is at two forty three and a half. You like over under for Mahomes. I, I like the over for Mahomes. Um uh Mahomes has never pa- the lowest total that Mahomes has had against the against the Ravens is actually three hundred and forty three yards. Uh he's passed for well over three hundred yards each time he's played the Ravens. I mean, so four games, he's averaged about three hundred and sixty five yards a game, something like that. So he's always uh, pa- very pass happy against the Ravens. It's, it's again, it's not a Wink Martindale defense anymore. It's a different defense, uh, mm. McDonald uh, defense. But I still think the Chiefs are going to throw the ball and throw the ball often, um, and I think they're going to score points. So I like, I like. Uh, he didn't have that many yards against Buffalo, but it was windy. The Chiefs didn't have the ball very much. Had the Chiefs, you know, if the Chiefs have. Anywhere near to half thirty minutes of possession, I think he uh, Mahomes would have been well over uh, three hundred yards. So I think um, so. I like I like over on this one. Yeah, it looks like the like their 
Baltimore's defense on this season is only allowed about 192 yards per game, but that's usually not against, I mean, they play Pittsburgh twice. Uh, you know, there are going to be a lot of teams like that. And they play Cleveland uh, with, you know, who knows who's the quarterback for Cleveland. They've played, you know, some mostly running uh, teams, I think. So, yeah. Um, Mahomes only didn't throw for quite that many yards last week. Uh, He was around, what, 220 or so? Yeah. But they didn't have the ball very much. And, so yeah, that, was... the risk is that if Baltimore tries to run like run a similar offense and you know time of possession to like bleed the clock and keep Mahomes you know the ball away from Mahomes then you know we may be in that situation but 243 still seems to be attainable though even if he doesn't have the ball for all that much uh I have a hard time taking the under it's just tough to do that when it's not that high if it was like 300 yards it'd be like oh maybe but 243 and a half i think you got to take the over on that one okay we're not we're not disagreeing too much here mike no no how about okay let's let you go first on these then so we'll go to rushing yard props uh so let's talk let's like let's go back to lamar uh lamar jackson is over under 64 and a half rushing yards do you think lamar jackson will have more than 64 and a half rushing yards or fewer so I think he went over 100 or right at 100 last week. Um, what did, let's see, Josh Allen was under 100, but over would have been over the 64 and a half. And he mm-hmm. ran a lot last week. Um, I think the Chiefs defense with Lamar Jackson, I think they're going to be honed in on the run. I don't think he's maybe running quite as much as he has in the last couple of seasons. I think maybe I'm going to take the under on Lamar Jackson rush yards. 64 and a half. I'd like to take the under. Have them both under passing and under rushing. Yeah. If that happens, you know, the Chiefs are probably in good shape. Man, I think. Um, maybe this is a total homer bet for me. I think I think Jackson is going to be under. 64 and a half. I think I think the I think the most of the damage, I think if there is damage in the running game, I think it's going to be running backs that are going to do it. So I, I, I'm partly thinking that if the Ravens run it well, it's not going to be Jackson running wild because I think in some ways, I think Allen is a more as a more difficult to contain runner than Jackson is. He's not as fast as Jackson, but he is bigger and harder to tackle. Mm. And I think Jackson is also more willing to go down and not risk injury in the way that maybe Allen doesn't care, uh, especially in the playoffs. So I think I I, I tend to think that I, I'm going to think under uh, for Jackson, uh, 64 and a half. Jackson had um, less than a thousand yards rushing in the regular season. So he averaged fewer than 64 and a half yards per game uh, in the regular season. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say he's going to have maybe, you know, fifties, maybe, uh, maybe fewer. I don't know. I think, I think they're going to try to contain, they're going to try to contain Lamar and try to make him pass. Mm. Or I think uh, hand the ball off to somebody else and have that, that other running, that running back beat the chiefs rather than Jackson. So I, I, I think it's going to be, if, if there's success running them. So, 
maybe I'm hedging a little bit here because I think if he's not running the ball, maybe he's passing it more. Uh, but I don't know if he was going to go over on both. So I'm, I, I, I'm going to do under on the run, on the rushing for Lamar Jackson. Again, agreeing. So we're, we're, this is our most agreeable uh-huh. uh, betting lines, I think so far, but that's not really that surprising. I think as the, uh, you know, we've, we've honed our, our, uh, our picks down to this point. Yes. The whole season. And we're, we're probably more agreeable than we normally would be otherwise. <laughs> so Isaiah Pacheco has 66 and a half rushing yards is his over under. Do you think Pacheco makes it or, or not? Well, I think his rushing yard totals have been creeping up as the season has gone on. Ended up just shy of a hundred yards in the last game on only 15 carries. It's, they're probably going to be using him pretty heavily, I think, in the game, at least early on. And then depending on how successful he is, they, you know, they'll keep giving the ball or they'll have to like move to something else. It's hard to not be a homer, though, again, Mike. I think I'm going to go with the over. Okay. I would like to see the over from Pacheco. I'm actually going to go with the under. I think I think the Chiefs are going to be passing it more than running it. I, I don't think Pacheco will have enough carries. I don't think it'll matter. I think maybe he'll – he might get – you know, I think he'll maybe have more stuff out of the backfield. Yeah. More, so I'm, I, I hope he gets over, but and partly just to be different from you, I want to. I'm just going to go under with Pacheco here. Uh, so I think, I think under. I think Pacheco is. Go, I think he's going to have a good game, and I think, I think the Chiefs are going to play well. But I, I don't. I think uh, maybe the are going to have to rely on him as much as they would in the colder, windier weather in Buffalo. So uh, Pacheco, of course, could break some big runs and and get over, but I, I think. Uh, I, I I think the under here. I think he's probably just going to be a change. They're going to run as a change of pace rather than as a as a primary web op, uh, option. So I'm going to go under with Pacheco on 66 and a half. So and then we have Patrick Mahomes. You put in there as well for his rushing totals, 26 and a half yards. I believe he had 32 yards scrambling, but some of those were taken away. He had a he had uh, more yards than that rushing, but he had several kneel downs that probably cost him. Uh, four, five, six, seven, eight yards uh, total. Uh, but he ended up with 32 yards on the ground. So this is 26 and a half. Do you think he's going to be over or under 26 and a half in the game? I think I think I like that scenario though, as an at least as an amusement. I can see him being at 28 yards and then having to having three kneel downs at the end of the game uh, to you know drive it back under. I think I think I'm going to take the under in this one. I can see him scrambling a lot though too, but uh, I think I'm going to take the under just. Just because okay. I, I I feel like that too, he could go under because of the kneel downs, but I think also he might stay over because this is uh playoff Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. and he, he tends to run the ball more in the playoffs. Absolutely. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's he's over. And even if he has to kneel down at the end, I think he stays over. They haven't had the dramatic wall like like at the end of the end of the uh Super Bowl against the 49ers when he kneeled down. He didn't just kneel it down like a yard back. He went like five or six, seven yards back and so <laughs> really uh kneeled it far. But I, I hope he doesn't do that this time. Uh so I'm gonna say he's maybe 40, 50 yards uh on the ground. So I'm gonna say he's um over. So we we differ on those two. There we go. Check out, check out under Mahomes over. Um, I think we both we both want the Chiefs to win, and we I don't know if we really think the Chiefs are going to win, or we just want them to win. So we, and we think that they have a chance to win. So we're both uh, picking uh, them, and then kind of uh, 
across the board uh, in this game. Uh, how maybe we might have more differences though with Detroit, San Francisco in that game, the NFC Championship game, which is uh, at five thirty p.m. Arrowhead uh, Central Time, six thirty p.m. Eastern Time, Detroit at San Francisco. You might remember that. Uh, you won't remember this, Dr. Scaffa. Maybe you will. Uh, in the nineteen fifty-seven was the last year Detroit won the uh, championship. That was the NFL championship at that point. Uh, and they actually had to defeat uh, San Francisco in the, I believe, on the road in the championship game to win uh, that season. So mm-hmm. if Detroit wants to go to the Super Bowl, they will have to beat defeat uh, the 49ers in San Francisco, or at least near San Francisco. This is Santa Clara now that they play it. Right. Uh, uh, the Lions are seven-point underdogs to the 49ers, and the over-under in the game is 50 and a half. Uh, who do you like in this one? So last time I, I thought San Francisco would cover easily, and uh, they 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 didn't. They had to win in a very tight game. Uh, Detroit's not has been kind of slipping as the season's gone on, but they're still in this position. I kind of feel like I want to hedge the bet on this a little bit. I think I, I think I will take Detroit to keep it close, but San Francisco on the money line. Uh, and I think, I think that the defense of San Francisco is strong enough that they can keep that under the 50 and a, 50 and a half total. Um, but, it, but it may be that, you know, Debo Samuel, if he doesn't play, then, then, you know, they may be limited a bit too. So that, that may, you know, improve that under odd a little bit under odds a little bit. So I'm going to say Detroit to cover San Francisco on the money line and the under 50.5. Okay. I also will take San Francisco on the money line. I think San Francisco is going to win. I also think San Francisco is going to, I think San Francisco is a lot better than Detroit. Even maybe if Debo doesn't play, I think they're still a stronger team. It's at home. I think San Francisco is going to want to uh, show out better than they uh, uh, did against Green Bay. I think Green Bay also might be a better team at this point than, than Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like, I like Detroit. Uh Somewhat, but I don't think they're gonna. I don't. I, don't, I think they can keep it within a couple of touchdowns, but I don't think they're gonna cover. I don't think they're gonna cover the seven. So I like San Francisco at minus seven. I also like them to have the money line. I think I also like the under in this game. I think actually the Chiefs Ravens game will be higher scoring than the 49ers Lions game. Um, so I like the under fifty and a half. I think partly because I think it's going to be. Um, Detroit not scoring very many points. So I think a 28 to 14 type of game uh, is in the cards, something like that. So I like to keep Detroit from getting enough points. And maybe with that D-bill, like you said, maybe they aren't going to score enough points to push it over by themselves. So I like the under 50, 50 and a half. So, should you want to move on to the props? Let's do it. Okay. So, passing yards, we have two quarterbacks, Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. Uh, Brock Purdy's over under is two seventy two and a half. Uh, do you like Purdy to have the over or the under in passing yards two hundred seventy two and a half? I think this is almost right on what he had in the last game, and 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 he didn't really play really all that well. I think Detroit may be a weaker opponent almost <laughs> than uh, what they faced last week. I think I think I'd take the over for Purdy, hmm. two and a half. 
I I'm gonna take the under for Purdy here. I think um I think the 49ers aren't they aren't gonna be as prolific on offense, at least passing offense. I think they'll probably rely on Christian McCaffrey more and maybe more as a running back than um as receiver. receiver. So I'm gonna say uh Purdy under 272 and a half. And then we have Goff 255 and a half. Uh do you like him over or under? It's not a terribly high number, but San Francisco's defense is really strong. They have been at least anyway. Um, but there's that there's always that chance that it's going to be kind of a shootout type of game. There's probably going to be a lot of passing. It doesn't take that many decently length passes to get to that 255 number. I think I'm going to take the over on 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 his passing yards as well. Okay, I think I'm going to do the over on on Goff as well. I think part par, partly because I think he might get like a lot of garbage time yards uh, when they're trying to come. Like if San Francisco gets out to the lead, then I think the 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 Lions are going to have to pass it a lot, and I think he can get over 255. Baker Mayfield got 350 yards almost against the Lions last game. Um, I think I think that uh, Goff might get close to 300 uh, against the 49ers. Uh, simply because he's trying to they're trying to play catch up, and sometimes you get a lot of passing yards when uh, your team is not ahead and you have to th- and you have to throw it. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say over as well um, on on golf, and that leads us to the rushing totals. We have four prop bets on on this one, uh, one with the 49ers and three with the Lions. Uh, let's do Christian McCaffrey first. You think McCaffrey is over or under 84 and a half yards rushing in the game? I think that's a pretty high total for the for the rushing yards. I think, uh, you know, maybe since I also thought, picked Purdy to pick the, uh, the over on his passing yards, that maybe more of these yards come uh, for McCaffrey as a receiver, maybe then as a, as a running back. Uh, maybe opposite of what, what maybe what you were guessing uh in the in the previous segment there. So I think I'm gonna take the under on McCaffrey rushing yards, but I think his maybe his uh full total yards from scrimmage may be quite a bit higher than than this. Okay. I'm I'm like I like I mean I hinted at earlier. I think I think McCaffrey's gonna have a lot of yards on the ground. I think he's gonna have over hundred yards on the ground. So I think I'm gonna have I'm gonna have him as over 84 and a half. Of course probably now he's gonna Simply just be a receiver, receiving threat in the field, and not and not run the ball very much, or it's going to be all handoffs to Kyle Uzcheck instead, or or one of the backups. But I I I like um I like the over for McCaffrey at eighty four and a half. Um, and then the reason why there are three different prop bets on on Detroit though is because they really do running back by committee. Yeah, we have a split really between Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Gibbs is 47 and a half is his over under. Montgomery is 46 and a half is his over under. Uh, why don't we do these together? Uh, Gibbs and Montgomery. What do, what do you think of uh, uh, Gibbs? What do you think of Montgomery's possibilities? So neither of the running totals are that are terribly that are not that terribly high anyway. So, um, you know, together. Yeah. Chances are one of them is going to go over this, but not both. Uh, they tend to get like almost identical um, number of attempts which makes this one really tricky. So yeah, from the betting perspective, that makes it even trickier then. So if you pick one to go over, one to go under, then you're probably going to miss both of them or get them both right. Uh, so probably the hedge way to do it is to bet both of them the same way and then you'll get one of them right. 
So I think I'm going to take uh, them both on the underside and then make them go over to beat me, I guess, is pretty much what I'm thinking with this one. Always under until it's over. I'm actually going the same way as you. I'm going both under, probably for a different reason, because I, th- I think that the the Lions are going to be behind and that they're not going to run the ball very much or they're going to have to throw the ball. And I think it's possible that both of those guys would have a decent number of yards out of the backfield, but maybe not as much um, uh, from, from uh, you know, run, running, uh, rushing the ball. So I'm going to go both under, but I think that's because I think Goff is going to make most of his yardage throwing the ball because he has to, and that they're going to uh, maybe abandon the run um, in the second half. And so maybe they'll both be under. So I'm going to pick both under as well. And also, I think I like the idea that you had that maybe one's going to get over, but I don't think both are going to get over. So at least I'll get 50-50, right? Um, And I think the under is more likely to get both than the over is likely to get both. So I like the under on both. Especially since both both backs also do receive the ball too. Like they don't, uh, it's not like they only use one of them on third down opportunities where they're more likely to catch a pass than be handed the ball so it's it's i think there i mean it's it is so much by committee that uh in the last game even uh gibbs had one fewer carry than montgomery but also had one more catch than montgomery so they were like identical number of touches in the game so it is uh very evenly split there how they gibbs had more yardage right he had um gibbs had more yard more yards on both types of touches that you know yeah well, the, the last one I think is the one we're all waiting for is the over-under on Jared Goff rushing yards. And that is one and a half rushing yards for Goff. Goff is a fairly statuesque pocket passer. Uh, he does not run the ball unless he absolutely, absolutely positively is being chased from behind, uh, I believe. So he's looking <laughs> to throw the ball or throw the ball away or hand the ball off. He's not looking to run it himself usually. But that's so that explains the very, very low line, one and a half. Um, sacks, of course, do not count in the rushing yards. Uh, so if Goff runs the ball at all, it's likely he will be over uh, one and a half. Uh, but he doesn't run it very much. Uh, do you know how many rushing yards on the year Goff has? I, I only know how many yards he had in the last game because that's what I have open on my screen over here right now. And he carried the ball six times last week for a total of six yards. My, although he, he did have a seven-yard run. so mm-hmm. Well, Goff has uh, 21 total rushing yards in the 2023 season, if you include the regular season. Which is uh, almost exactly a 1.5. Yes. Very so close, he had, very, very close. Uh, had minus three yards on three carries against the Rams. I think those involved three kneel downs. Yes. Uh, and he had six yards and six carries, as you said, against Tampa Bay. So he's had three, he's averaged 1.5 yards per game in the playoffs. He's averaged a little under 1.5 yards in the uh, regular season. Um, Only five games has he gone over one and a half in the regular season. So I'm actually going to go under. I think the odds is he's going to be under rather than over. Um, I'm glad you you picked first on this one because uh, I I I wanted just I just was going to take I would have wanted to take the opposite of whatever <laughs> whatever he did in this one because it's this one really is just like a coin flip. It doesn't really uh, there's not really a lot of logic behind it because it's like well if he has one carry for five yards like 
it's actually still not a guarantee that he'll stay over it if they had the lead and they have the kneel down. Like it might actually get back down underneath that one and a half. So uh, I'll take the over and say that maybe he gets a you know a couple of yard carry, but then they don't win the game. So uh, you know he doesn't have the kneel downs. You know. Yes. So in in uh, yeah. So Goff's high on the season is ten yards in a game. His low is that minus three in the playoffs. He's had a few minus twos. Um, his last five regular season games were all zero yards uh, uh, rushing. Uh, is, he didn't really it, plan for anything. He doesn't need to. Yeah, I'm going to say, so I like the under. You're going with the over. Um, so we've got a little bit of a few differences there. More differences with that game than we have with the um, uh, Chiefs-Ravens game. But it's going to be an exciting weekend of football uh either way uh you have any final thoughts on this weekend uh how nervous are you right now are you are you uh are you are you at the full nervousness or are you gonna are you like ramping up or or are you fully confident right now that's i'm sure i'll be more nervous as the week goes on but i'm probably less nervous in some ways i was less nervous watching the buffalo game is because i think the chiefs aren't as good this year and they won the super bowl last year so they are still, I think, sitting pretty uh, in a lot of ways. And so they're playing with house money, I think, at this point. And yeah. I think most people didn't expect them to get this far because of their offensive woes. And so I, I can see them losing uh, to Baltimore, but I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be that surprised. But I also, it would be, I think, very happy that they, if they won. I think the winner of the AFC championship game is going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, especially the way San Francisco has been looking the last several weeks. I think yeah. if they had played San Francisco of like week nine, week 10, week 11, that would be a different story. But um, the 49ers have been a little bit down. I don't think the lions are in the league of either the chiefs or the Ravens, even though they did beat, they did beat the uh, chiefs early on, but that was kind of a fluke game. I think in the first game of the season, the Ravens have actually played both of the teams the Lions and the 49ers and, and beat them both quite handily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think I, I, I wouldn't see that as a big surprise happening again if they played uh, again. So I like um, I like the winner. The, I think the AFC, as we talked about at the beginning of the season, we thought the AFC was the stronger conference. Mm-hmm. And it's really turned out to be that way in the playoffs where we see like the, you know, like the, the, the you know, there've been like some of the teams we thought were going to be pretty good in the NFC, like the, like um, Philadelphia and Dallas both turned out to be pretty weak, uh, and the the powers of the AFC, I think, um, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, uh, have looked have looked stronger, uh, and the Forty ers even have looked pretty weak in their uh, uh, in their in their first game. So you know it's it's been. Uh, it's been an interesting, interesting result. And I think when the Ravens did that to the 49ers, it also kind of showed maybe how good the AFC was uh, compared uh, to the NFC, even if the Chiefs were kind of having iffy times against their NFC opponents uh, this year. But um, yeah. but I think they played them somewhat when the teams were better. I think the, the, the Eagles were still a strong team when the Chiefs played the Eagles, but they should have won that game, but they still they lost barely. They should have beaten the the Alliance as well. And they, they, you know, lost that one. So it's, it's one of those things where I think the chiefs were playing poorly when the other teams were playing well. And now I think the AFC teams 
like the Chiefs are playing well, and I think maybe the NFC teams are playing a little bit worse. So, um, really, I think yeah, for the Chiefs, the season really started now. It's like this is really where they're what they've been playing for all season was just that they had to get through the regular season so that they could get to these games, and and that 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 really is what it, how they looked on the field too, and that's just what we've talked about their mentality, but you know. That doesn't always play out the way you think it's going to. I mean, yeah, and, and can you just turn the switch on like that or, or not? It's it's a, a difficult thing. But so far, the Chiefs have looked like they could. Uh, they've won. Their offense has been pretty good. And I think, yeah, so I, I know I'm ex- I'm hoping for a win in Baltimore. I'm not expecting a win in Baltimore, but I'm not expecting a loss either. So I'm just I'm just kind of, I don't know. Um, and that makes me, and I'm less nervous because I was more nervous last year than I was this year because yeah. the Chiefs, maybe because they won last year and they've, they've already they've already won two Super Bowls in the last four years so I think they've done pretty well and this is sort of a down year and they're still in the championship so six straight times six straight times um we've done podcast slash YouTube channel for many more than six straight times uh we've done it for who knows how many straight weeks now at least uh probably 23 24 straight weeks at least, at least uh, yeah um, we, didn't we didn't miss anything during the NFL season. Oh, uh, so we're on a roll. Uh, hopefully uh, the listeners are also on a roll listening to us or watching our our, our YouTube channel uh, and are excited about this weekend's games. This is maybe uh, Sunday is maybe the most exciting game of the NFL season because there are two uh, big, big, big games um, uh, that are uh, taking place. And we hope uh, if you have a rooting interest that your team wins, uh unless it's the baltimore ravens which we want the chiefs to win but uh other than that we we uh wish you luck in your uh your bets and your in your rooting and uh uh should we i think i think uh we're about ready to sign off aren't we dr scaff so. well as always i am dr michael werman esquire he as always is dr andrew scaff esquireless and we are the warning track power hour please like and or subscribe to our YouTube channel or our uh, podcast, which is on various platforms. And uh, you know, we 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 appreciate your listenership, your patronage, and we also uh, wish you a good day. <laughs>